Jesus told his first disciples that the Holy Spirit would come upon them and they would be his witnesses starting in Jerusalem and then to the surrounding area of Judea and then to Samaria and then to the ends of the earth and that's just what happened in the book of Acts in the Bible. At Faith Westwood, we have claimed 68137 as our Jerusalem. This week we will be sending postcards to families with children in this zip code, inviting them to our Saturday Easter egg hunt and our Easter Sunday services in a couple weeks. Now, as you heard a little bit from Donna, uh, we're making our egg hunt bigger than ever. Um, my email last Thursday, I had a link to sign up if you want to help. Uh, by the way, I noticed a sign up on the wall as you're sort of heading out that, that uh, temporary wall because of the construction. And then as you sort of make that right turn as if you were heading to the restrooms, right around the corner there from that right turn, you'll see up all the sign-ups. And I just signed myself up this morning to hand out breakfast burritos after the egg hunt. And there are a bunch of different things you can sign up for. So uh, please do that either online or there today. Uh, there are lots of options, and it's going to be a great morning. Uh, the last couple of my emails that I've sent uh, to you all, or one this, this week and one the week before, um, I've asked you to consider inviting someone to at least one Sunday of our Love Can series that will start on Easter Sunday. Uh, and as I mentioned in that last email, the, the way I see it, the only good reason to invite somebody is because you love them, because you care about them. And so I'm asking you to pray about this. Ask God who you might invite. And uh, I'm just going to say, let's just start and pray right now together, shall we? Let's pray. Lord, um, Sometimes we just get wrapped up in our own little world and we think, well, the door's always open. They can come if they want, but Lord, help us to have the right attitude and just to really care about, about people. And Lord, we ask you to lay someone on our heart that we could invite. And, uh, and maybe just begin by having conversations and getting to know them. Or maybe it's somebody we already know really well. But however it is, Lord, we ask you to guide us in that process and uh, give us that opportunity. Just show us, reveal to us who that person might be that we could invite. And so, Lord, we ask you to use us. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, that was not the sermon, by the way. <laughs> anyway, uh, but I want to tell you, God has been stirring up my heart in the last few weeks uh, and this thought keeps rolling around in my head. You, some of you have heard it before. There are many things God wants to do and will do when people pray. Will you say that with me? There are many things God wants to do and will do when people pray. If you truly believe this, how would it change the way you pray? How would it change your attitude about praying? Now, I'm not saying that God is going to give us everything we ask for, but, but there are many things that God is waiting to do upon receiving our prayers. Our prayers open doors to grace that would otherwise be closed. 
That's why I feel like I'm beginning to pray more confidently, more boldly. In Maxie Dunham's book, The Intercessory Life, he brings up the relationship between prayer and the Holy Spirit. The more fervently we pray, the more we experience the Holy Spirit. And the more we experience the Holy Spirit, the more fervently we pray. I learned the other day uh, about Methodist Bishop Ricardo Pereira in Cuba. He tells a story about when he was a pastor years ago, and at his church were a couple of boys ages 14 and 16, and one night they came to him and said that they had just learned about John Wesley and how he had this experience where he felt his heart strangely warmed. Bishop Pereira says, that night at 8 o'clock, those boys knelt down in the church and said, Pastor, we are not going to get up from here until we have the same experience as John Wesley. And Pereira explained to them, I said, I don't think that, that it works that way. I, I've been told that not everyone has the same experience. But the boys were insistent they were going to seek God's blessing. When Pereira tried to get them to leave, one of the boys said, Pastor, I will not get up from here. Pereira says, I slammed the door and went home and started watching television. But something, he says, was stirring in my heart, telling me, Pastor, you are not doing right. How can you allow your members to pray by themselves? Why don't you go and keep watch with them? Pereira walked back to the church and went inside and said to them, See, you have not received anything. But the boys would not quit. They asked God to give them power to, to, to bring others to Jesus. At 11 o'clock, Pereira said, It's getting very late. Why don't you begin again tomorrow? No, pastor, they said, we are not going to get up from here until we receive the touch of the Spirit. Pereira says that at 12.04, the boys experienced an explosion of light in their faces and joy in their hearts. After seeing this, Pereira was afraid, but he knelt beside the boys and he said, I won't get up until he fills me too. Pereira wept. He asked God to forgive him. He prayed, Lord, I've been, I've been preaching the gospel, doing the best I could, but if this joy is real, if you can give that explosion in the hearts of my two members, you can give it to me. And they all stayed and prayed. At 3 a.m., at 3 a.m., an anointing of the Holy Spirit came upon him. He said, I woke up my wife so I could tell her about this joy in my heart. There are many things God wants to do and will do when people pray. And sometimes you've got to stick with that prayer and stay in prayer until you're ready to receive what you're praying for. There's a direct correlation, as, as uh, Dunham says, between fervent praying and experiencing the Holy Spirit. 
And so I would just invite you uh, to join me a week from Tuesday, April 4th, 6.30 p.m. in the chapel for an hour of prayer. We do this every month. We're asking God to pour out uh, a great awakening in our lives, in our church, in our community, in our country. So a number of people started showing up for that, and I invite you to give it a try. Let's open our Bibles to John chapter 20, uh, verse 21. In the Pew Bible, you'll find it on page 1088. Uh, some of you are also going to use the, you've got a Bible app on your smartphone or your tablet. That's great too. Uh, and also, I just want to say, if you don't own a Bible, you don't have one at home, then just take that Pew Bible home. It's yours. You can keep it. We'll restock uh, later this week. Now, in this passage, Jesus comes to his disciples with this message. So if you found it on page 1088 in the Pew Bible, chapter 20, verse 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Peace be with you. Now, that was a standard Jewish greeting. But here, it means more than that. Jesus is the Messiah giving them the peace that he had promised. A peace that the world cannot give. A peace for their fearful, troubled hearts. I mean, the disciples had been, they were hiding. They, they, they were afraid. They were afraid they'd be arrested or worse. But then Jesus gives them the Holy Spirit and says, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And that's our theme for today, the last part of that verse. Let's say it together, shall we, beginning with, uh, as the Father. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. You know, I think one thing about the Bible is kind of confusing is that uh, when Jesus' original group of uh, 12 uh, disciples, how later they get called apostles. Why the change from disciples to apostles? When Jesus was inviting them to be his disciples, he would say, come and follow me. A disciple is someone who does that. They come and they follow. They, they spend time with their, their rabbi, and, and you learn life from your rabbi. But an apostle is someone who is sent. Jesus is saying, I'm the Father's apostle. He sent me. Now you are my apostles. I'm sending you. Now I'm sure these disciples, these, they, they don't feel ready to be apostles. They don't feel ready to be sent. They're afraid. They, they, they abandoned Jesus when, they, when he was arrested. Uh, there's a lot about Jesus they don't understand. But then Jesus gives them the Holy Spirit and says, I am sending you. And Jesus says the same thing to you. You don't feel ready, but I am sending you. There's a lot you don't understand, but I am sending you. You may have been unfaithful to me in the past, but I am sending you. Maxie Dunham tells a story. It's, it's probably a fictional story, but I, I want to share it with you today. A seven-year-old boy from uh, a poor family in New York was, this little boy was doing his, his best to help the family survive. His mother set him up at the entrance uh, of a New York subway uh, with oranges and apples to sell. 
they, they took a, a tall fruit basket and turned it upside down, put a board on it, and then placed four or five small baskets of fruit, apples and oranges, uh, on top. The hope was that, you know, these uh, tired travelers uh, on their way home from work would purchase maybe a piece of fruit to tide them over until dinner, or maybe they'd buy a whole basket to take home to their families. So the end of rush day started, and some person in a big hurry, running to catch a train, bumped this makeshift stand and sent apples and oranges flying and rolling everywhere. And so, you know, the, the, the person that did that didn't stop, and the other crowd, they just kept going, except for one man. He saw what happened. He saw the, the despair, just the heart sink in this little boy's face and tears welling up in his eyes. And he set his briefcase down, and he began to go around and collect all of that fruit and put it in all these baskets and then help and re put that stand back up and put all those baskets of fruit in place. And the little boy was just kind of overwhelmed by everything that he'd seen and all that was happening. And as the man was, was running off to catch his train, he shouted out to him, Hey, mister! Are you Jesus? I know the story's a little sentimental. It's maybe you might even say a little cheesy, but I think there's truth in it. Am I going to live in such a way that my identity could be mistaken for his? Excuse me, ma'am. Pardon me, sir. Are you Jesus? When we step off the rushed path and respond to people, Jesus shines through. But I got to warn you, it'll cost you. In your school, how much of Jesus shining through will your classmates tolerate? before they start making fun of you. In your workplace, how much of Jesus uh, will your workers tolerate before they start to ridicule you? When Jesus sends us, we will pay a price. And we're okay with that. As long as people see the resemblance. After Jesus ascended into, to his throne in heaven, his apostles uh, boldly carried the message that salvation can only be found in the name of Jesus. And they found that the Holy Spirit was alive in them, working miracles through them. On one occasion, uh, the same authorities who had opposed Jesus arrested these apostles, Peter and John. And uh, Peter and John were brought forward for questioning, and the authorities were amazed at their responses. Here's what it says in Acts 4, verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Jesus was the only explanation for their courage, their confidence, their boldness. Do you, do you remember in November uh, when we gave away more than 300 Thanksgiving bags of groceries? One of the boldest things I think that happened last year is when we had that and our prayer teams went from car to car as people were waiting and offered to pray for them. A week and a half ago, 
Dave Koopman shared this story with me and said that I could relay it to you. Dave, uh, some of you know, is our church council chair this year, and he and Deb serve regularly on our, uh, with our pantry. He says, the other night at the pantry, I saw a man I hadn't seen in several months. Uh, he and I had talked several times before about the health of his wife and the pain that she was in. And I, he says, I asked how she, uh, his wife was doing. And he said she was doing much better. He said, in fact, the reason he had not been at the pantry for a while is because he had been working. Previously, he had not been able to work because his wife had been in such pain, uh, she needed round-the-clock round the care. Dave says, he proceeded to tell me that the last time he was here was in November to receive a Thanksgiving bag. And that morning, a couple members of the prayer team came to his car and offered to pray. And he asked them to pray for his wife. Dave says, he told me that two days after they prayed, her pain started to go away to the point that he could leave her for the day and go to work. He said, God used those prayers. And he fully credits the power of prayer to his wife's improved health. I want to say, yay, God, don't you? Let's give God some praise for that. Yeah. You know, you can argue otherwise. You can argue and pray, say that prayer had nothing to do with it. You can't prove that. She may have gotten better anyway. But you won't be able to convince this guy of that. I believe that it's the Holy Spirit at work. Jesus is shining through. Jesus said, just as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I know it's been uh, well over a year since I've done one of these, but I want to add a segment today called, Who Wants to Know? And the question today is, who wants to know how the term Christian was coined? Anybody want to know? All right. It only takes a few, and I'm ready to go. Uh, the term Christian was not invented by Christians. Did you know that? In the New Testament, they never used the word Christian to, for themselves. They always called themselves and each other disciples or believers or sisters and brothers. In Acts 11, uh, verse 16, it says, The disciples were, first, were called Christians first at Antioch. Now, the word Christ is Greek for Messiah, the Jewish anointed king. But then a Latin ending is added to it. So it appears that the word Christian was coined by Latin-speaking Romans living in Antioch. They noticed that these Jesus followers did not give allegiance to the Roman emperor. Instead, they gave their allegiance to their king called the Christ. So a Christian is someone who belongs to Christ. They're his servants, his slaves. When this term came, I'm pretty sure it was not a compliment. It's kind of like, they're his little Christlings. Later, the apostle Peter would advise his sisters and brothers in Jesus on what to do if they suffer for being labeled a Christian. He said, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, 
But praise God that you bear that name. You know, those, only, those are two of the passages. There are only three passages where the word Christian even appears in the Bible. When you belong to Jesus, you bear his name. You may suffer for it, but you also know that it's an honor to bear that name. And Jesus says, you don't just go to school. I'm sending you to that school to represent me. You don't just go to work. I am sending you into the workplace to, so that I can shine through you. Jesus says, you don't just live in your neighborhood. I'm sending you into that neighborhood. Invite them into your life. Invite them into a relationship with God. Jesus says, you don't just belong to an organization. I'm sending you into that organization. Be so unexplainable that you create curiosity. And they may wonder if you have been with Jesus. In the Old Testament, when Isaiah encountered God, he felt afraid. He felt inadequate. Then he heard God say, Whom shall I send? Isaiah, I think, even surprised himself when he said, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. This morning, I'm going to invite you to stand if you are able and say, here am I, send me. One by one, all over the worship center, I invite you now to stand and say to Jesus, here am I. Send me.